Welcome to Trevecca Community Church's Sermon Podcast Series. Each week we'll be streaming our sermon from within the sanctuary just for you. Our scripture lesson this morning is the book of Micah, chapter 6, verses 1 through 4 and 6 through 8. Hear what the Lord says. Rise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear you mountains, the case of the Lord, and you endearing fountains of the earth, for the Lord has a case against his people, and he will contend with Israel. O my people, what have I done to you? In what have I wearied you? Answer me, for I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery, and I sent you before Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings and calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, and to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, Trevecca Community Church. Oh, I really wish that I could be with you today, but I wish even more that I didn't have COVID. You know, the funny thing is the first question I planned on asking in the sermon today is, what is good? The passage that we just read um, asked the question, we've shown you, O mortal, what is good? And sometimes I feel like, do we really know what is good? The passage says it as if it's such a simple thing. And I, I plan on asking like, what is good? And today my answer would be not having COVID would be good. That'd be real good. (laughs) You know, the irony of this is today we're talking about the missional practice of making room. And one of the things that we'll be talking about is just how we make room in our lives for the awareness of the presence of God and for others and how our church has just uniquely been called to make room uh, for folks that, that might not fit in other places, but this is our calling. And these last 24 hours as I've been taking care of sick kids and just trying to figure out how to make it all happen, when I first started getting symptoms, I really thought to myself, I do not have room in my life to be sick right now. I'm learning. <laughs> I'm learning a lot about just how little room I leave in my life for even me to be a human being that gets sick and catches viruses and, and has sick kids. I'm, I'm learning. And so I hope as we dive into this passage, you'll come along in this journey with me that we can learn together. And at the end of this worship service, I hope we're all a little bit more like Jesus because of it. He has shown you, oh man, oh mortal, oh dirtling, oh human, what is good? What is good? 
I mean, what makes a good day? What would make a good day for you? Or a good date? What would make a good date for you? Oh man, that answer has changed for me since when Tim and I were first dating and I was 19 years old to now. I mean, the, the definition of a good date has wildly changed. Mainly a good date is when the babysitter actually gets the kids to bed before we get home. That's, that's a good date. What makes a good job? What makes a job good? A good gift? What makes a good friend? What makes a good church? What makes a good country? What makes a good neighbor? For you, what makes a good life? Do you have a picture of what that would be to have a good life? He has shown you, immortal, what is good. Has he? <laughs> have you seen it? Because it seems like good is always eluding us. I, I can't help but think about a parent who's trying so hard to be a good parent and reads all the books and buys all the things and kid-proofs everything in the house, makes sacrifices and feeds and dedicates 10 years of their life to being an Uber driver, only to realize one day that the relationship is not good. And the parent asks the kids, what, what more did you want? What could I have done to be a good parent? Should we have gone to Disneyland, taken more vacations? Did you want a better bike for Christmas? Did you want to go away somewhere to college? What do I have to do to be a good parent? And the kid just says, I showed you what's good. It's good when we spend time together, when you're interested in the things that I care about. When we stay in one night a week for pizza and a movie on Netflix, that's all. That's good. I just want to know that you'll make room for me in your life. I think about the spouse who's made some big mistakes and is trying really hard to be a good spouse now, but things are not good. And, and so the spouse finally one day asks, what more do you want what do I need to do to make things good between us? Do you want me to take you away on a couple's vacation or buy you two dozen roses every Friday? Write you a love song. What, what do you want? And the spouse says, I showed you what's good. I just want to know that you see me and you hear me and you love me. I want to trust you. Not big things, just simple, ordinary, everyday things. I want to know that you will make room in your life for our marriage. Think about a man who drives past a particular street corner every day. And every day there's another man on that street corner holding up a sign in need of money, food, shelter. Every day the man who drives past feels this pang of guilt. He wants to be a good person. And so many days he rolls down the window and, and gives a little bit of money to the man holding the sign. But then every day he's still there. He's still hungry. He's still homeless. And so finally, one day the man driving the car pulls over and says, I'm trying to be a good person here. What more do you want me to do? I, I drop a few bucks in every day, but, but what else do you need? Do you need me to build you a shelter or, or take you to the grocery store? Do you need me to, to, to get you someplace better to find you job training? What do you need? And the man points to a sign and says, I showed you what's good. I just need what any other human person needs. 
food to eat and a safe place to sleep. I, I just want to know that there's room enough in this world for me too. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God makes room for all creation to grow and live and thrive. And God looks at this creation and says, it is good. Hebrew word there is tov, perfectly filled with divine purpose, exactly as God created it to be. It's good. And then God made humans, mortals, uh, dirtlings out of the dust of the earth in God's own image. It made room for them in a garden where they had every good thing that they needed. And God said, they, they are very good. But the relationship broke down as, as sin created a wedge. And years later, God made a promise, a promise to make a people, a family on earth who would be good, who would be everything they were created to, to be to display divine purpose. They were to be the ones who would live lives of worship that reflect God's heart. They would treat strangers with hospitality and make room for foreigners. But God made this promise to a very old couple with no children. So God made room in Sarah's 90-year-old womb. <laughs> and she gave birth to a son, and so began this people, these good people. But these people are left to roam from place to place with no land to call their own. No one will really make room for them. They end up in Egypt, but Egypt will only make room so long as they're slaves. And so God says, this is not the good life that I have for you. And God makes a way for them to leave slavery in Egypt and after their time in the womb of the wilderness, they enter into the promised land, this land where God makes room for them to have a home. God clears away all the stuff that gets in the way. God clears out giants and kings and armies, making room for these good people of God to live in a good land. And that land was good, not because it was prosperous, not because of the milk and honey thing, although that sounds real good to my throat right now. But because this is where God's people were living the good life that God had designed for them, loving God with their whole heart, mind, soul, and strength, loving their neighbor like they love their good selves. But the people in this land slowly started to see a different picture of the good life, a picture that they got from other people's. A good life was suddenly about having a king who led a big army and acquired lots of stuff and built big palaces and worshiped lots of other gods and had lots of power. And so they started chasing after a different vision of the good life. And they worked so hard to, to make a good life. But the vision of the good life that they were spinning their wheels trying to catch was was not the vision God had for them. In fact, it was a vision that left some people out of the good life. There wasn't really a place for, say, widows and orphans, strangers and foreigners in their vision of the good life. That picture of the good life did not make room for them. 
And so there were some in Israel who were living what they thought was the good life. And there were others who were barely living at all. And so God speaks to the prophet Micah and says, listen up. In fact, this passage, it's like God is calling a hearing, setting up a courtroom scene where the mountains stand as witness and the foundations of the earth become the plaintiff's bench. God has heard the complaints of these people who have chased after a life that is no good at all and then complained to God for not giving them good things. And God says, where did this good life go so wrong? What have I done to you? How have I burdened you? Answer me, really, I would like to know because I was the one who brought you up out of the land of Egypt, who made room for you in the promised land who brought you across the Jordan River and who cleared out a promised land, making room for you to be my good people. And then the prophet responds on behalf of all of Israel and says, how do you want me to make this right, God? Sorry, we haven't been good. What do you want us to do? You want us to bring another burnt offering? We've gotten real good at that. Would that be good? No, too ordinary, too plain. How about, how about a thousand rams? How about that? Still not good enough? How about 10,000 rivers of oil? Is that good? What about our firstborn? Do you want the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Will that finally put things right, make things good again? The prophet says, he's shown you, oh human, oh mortal, dirtling creature that God made out of the dirt and placed in this world that made room for you to have a good life. He's shown you what is good. God made you good, very good. You don't have to add rams or oil or human sacrifices to be good enough. In fact, God was the one who spared your firstborn in Egypt. You don't have to do any of that to be good. It's chasing after all of that stuff that got you into this mess to start with. God's not asking for elaborate displays or grand gestures aimed at a vision of a good life that is not what God ever wanted from you in the first place. God showed you what was good back in the garden and in the promise and in the promised land, not big grand gestures, simple things. Do justice. Don't just talk about justice or post about justice, do justice, restore what is broken, make room for those that have been left out. Love mercy, let the merciful covenant faithfulness of God show through you and spill out to others. And walk humbly, walk on this earth like you know who made it. Walk in this land like you know that it was God who made room for you to live here. None of this is yours. Walk like you know that. Walk humbly. Trevecca Community Church, um, we've determined that this practice we call making room is for us a missional practice that shapes and forms us to be a part of God's mission in this world. And it's so much like the life of God. God made room in the heavens and the earth, carved out a place where we might have life and have life abundant. It is good and right to strive for the good life because we were made good. 
in fact, that search for the good life is probably what keeps many of you rather restless. I, I read a wonderful theology book uh, earlier this week that was actually discussing the importance of Christians naming their practices and, and discovering uh, the, a way of, of discovering abundant life or the good life. And it says that naming our practices takes on special urgency in a time and place where far more attention is given to lifestyles of abundance than to ways of life abundant. Today's rapid social change and intense spiritual restlessness evoke fierce yearning in people in our own neighborhoods and around the world. We think that these longings arise from a deeper longing, a longing for a life that adds up to something that is in a deep sense good for oneself, for other people, and for all creation. That's a quote by Dorothy C. Bass and Craig Dykstra. You see, we can get lost in the chase for the good life. But the truth is we don't have to chase after goodness. We were made in God's goodness. And practice makes good. It, the way we practice making room, it sets our aim for the good life. It's constantly making space in our life for God's vision of good. It keeps the yearning of our heart on target with God's good purpose for this world. And particularly the practice of making room reminds us of two really important things. Are you ready for them? First, the practice of making room reminds us you are good enough. God's not asking you for rams or oil or a new car or job title or elaborate displays of piety, grand gestures or, or <laughs> generosity displayed in just the right selfie. You are good enough. So put down the phone camera and get off the hamster wheel. You are good. God made you that way. Chasing after all of that other stuff is where we get lost when God made room for you and for this good life for you to inhabit. These last 24 hours, as I've been watching some of the footage that's come out of Memphis, I wonder if anyone ever told those officers in Memphis who beat tire I wonder if anyone ever told them, hey, you, you are good. You don't have to be tougher than the next guy. You don't have to use force against other human beings. You don't have to keep someone else down in order to be good enough. You were just made good. Like, I wonder if God ever, or if anyone ever told them that, if they believe that. I know some of us, we might need to know that we have permission to take up room in this world. Everyone's a little bit different, but, but for some, when you hear about making room for others, you might think, gosh, oh, my whole life, all I'm ever doing is getting out of the way so that somebody else can, can have room. And, and some of you might need to permission to take up the room that God made for you, to know that God made room for you, created you in goodness and loves you. Some of you need to be reminded that you are good and it's okay to take up some room. Second thing that the practice of making room reminds us, the practice of making room reminds us that if life isn't good for my neighbor, that's not the good life. You see, when we see and know that God made room for us and that our life lives in God's goodness, it opens up all of the space for other people. In fact, it reminds us that there is joy in the mess of making room for others 
A good life is not built on what you've earned or achieved. A good life is built by living in the goodness of God's presence and making room for others along the way. I've been haunted this last week by memory when I was in high school. Um, when I was in high school, I went on a on a missions trip down to Tecate, Mexico, and we were working on building uh, certain parts. There was a Nazarene church there, and we were doing some construction projects, building a new room onto their church and, and building some new offices for the pastors. Was, the church had experienced a lot of growth. And so we went down there thinking we are doing good, right thing, literally making room in this church for more people to be added and we had a great week. We learned so much. We worked really, really hard. But part of the way the trip had been planned was for us to build relationships with members of the church in Tecate. And it was so much easier, though, to just hang out with my other high school friends that had come on the trip with us. And we had a blast together singing silly songs and goofing off. Well, when Sunday came around, that the church service on Sunday, they had invited us to stick around for lunch after the church service. And they wanted to provide this wonderful meal for us. This church went out of their way to make room for us. And so they had prepared a feast. Now, it just was going to take a long time to get that feast ready. And it's a culture where nobody minds just sort of hanging around the church for a very long time. So the church service wraps up. It was a service that was completely in Spanish and, and my high school level Spanish was really struggling to keep up. And then we're hanging out in the church after this very long service concludes. And I'm just getting uncomfortable around these people who are not like me, don't speak the same language as me. And I start to look around and I notice that all of my friends in my high school group that I came there with were nowhere to be found. And so I look around at this feast that these folks were preparing for us. It wasn't ready just yet, but I, I see this feast that they're preparing and, and none of us, like none of my friends were there and I was uncomfortable and I wanted to be around people who made me feel comfortable. So I went looking for them and I headed out of the church building and I saw our big old 15 passenger van that we had drove, that we had driven down to Mexico in. And I walked up to the van and I realized they were all hanging out inside the van. Dora closed, telling stories, laughing, goofing on. And I knew that that was not why we had come to Mexico. I knew that we hadn't come all that way just so that we could close people out. Just so as soon as people offered us hospitality and made room for us, we could go find our own little room where we didn't have to make room for them. I stopped there for a second and looked at the van door and I looked back at the church. I just wanted to be comfortable and be with my friends. So I opened up the van door and hopped inside, closed the door again. And, and within seconds, we were having such a great time laughing, telling jokes and stories that we can all understand. Our team leader found us in the van. Oh my goodness. I will never forget that day. <laughs> he came over and just ripped it. I really was afraid he was going to like rip the van door off. He was so angry with us. He ripped the hand door open and basically said something like, this is not what you came here for. This is not what we are here for. They are showing you what it is like to make room. Can you please try to do likewise? And so we all got out of the van, hung our heads a little bit, made our way back into the church and enjoyed an incredible feast that some really wonderful people had made for us. 
making room is hard work. It takes practice. It's not something that we always know how to do naturally because sometimes our vision of the good life, it's just too small. But when we're always looking for others to make room for, knowing that God made room for us in this world, it changes everything. You may have already heard the announcement about something that's going to get started in a couple of weeks called Sanctuary Buddies, where we are literally asking you to make room in the pew next to you for some kids who are a part of the Kid Power After School program who have indicated that they'd really like to come to church if we could provide transportation and, and someone to hang out with them and sit with them. Now, it might be a little bit uncomfortable. I don't know, but making room usually is. It usually takes some practice and takes some work. So congregation, I just want to encourage you, let's practice well. And can you imagine how your experience of worship might be completely changed when suddenly you come on Sunday morning, not just to have a great worship experience, not just to sing great songs or hear a mediocre sermon. You don't just come for what you are going to experience. You come to make room for someone else. Can you imagine how that might change your whole perspective on worship. Let's practice making room. Practice makes good. It teaches us what the good life really is all about. So two things to think about. If you've got your habit tracker, if you've been using that, you might even just look at the, at the habit tracker that sort of lays out all the different days of the week and the different hours of the day. Is there room in there anywhere? <laughs> like, like, where do you have room in there where you could make room for someone else? Do you have any intentional practices throughout the week where you are intentionally looking for someone else for whom you can make space and make room? Do you have time when you practice gratitude for God who made room for you to stop and be aware of God's presence? What might it look like if you were to practice making room, to take that practice seriously. I'm excited about all the things that are happening in our church these days. Even just this last week, our church building was constantly filled with people, activity, as our building is making room for others, for our neighbors, for community members, for other people who are joining the congregation. We are we're practicing it. We're making room. And so we want to invite you to be a part of this wild, crazy journey, making room for the kingdom of God to break in here and now in our world, like it already exists in heaven, would you make room for something like that? Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to join us on campus next week, we have discipleship classes beginning at 9 a.m., followed by service at 10.30. That service will be streamed to Facebook Live. We hope to see you there.